Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We can't thank the federal government enough for the American Recovery um, Program funds. It has made things endurable or making, allowing us to endure this once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully, pandemic. But it's not going to, it's not enough to fix either the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, or most um, municipalities' financial challenges going forward. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. With me today is Civic Federation President Lawrence Massal, Chicago's foremost expert on government and municipal finance. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. Who better than you to talk about Mayor Lori Lightfoot's $16.7 billion budget? Thank you, Frank. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks to a once-in-a-lifetime $1.9 billion avalanche of federal stimulus funds, Mayor Lightfoot is increasing Chicago's budget in one fell swoop from $12.8 billion last year to $16.7 billion this year. What concerns, if any, do you have about that 30% increase in spending? Well, first off, I think you have summed it up very well. The city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, Cities and states across the country all benefited from the federal revenue support, the American Recovery um, Program funding. The city's $1.9 billion makes everything a lot easier for the city of Chicago this year. However, this money can only be spent over the next two years. And when the money's gone, the city of Chicago is going to be facing big financial challenges. They're using approximately $1.3 billion to close the budget gap for the previous 2021 budget, and then again in 2022 and 2023. That leaves about $567 million that is gonna go for new services and infrastructures. But despite this cash infusion, the city's gonna face structural budget challenges as we go forward. We are still going to have a very high level of liabilities, debt that the city is going to have to pay, and the ever-increasing pension obligation challenge continues. Pension costs alone account for nearly a quarter of all city spending, which is crowding out spending for basic operations and services. Yeah, Chicago's property tax levy will rise by $76.5 million to $1.7 billion, but all but $300 million of that money goes to the four pension funds. Two of them are on the brink of insolvency. Right. Without serious help from Springfield, the city of Chicago, municipalities around the state of Illinois are all facing growing pension liabilities, a larger part of their budgets. And even with significant property taxes, the unfunded liabilities continue to rise. We definitely need a comprehensive plan coming out of Springfield from the governor, from the legislature, that recognizes the challenges cities face. We 
can't thank the federal government enough for the American Recovery um, Program funds. It has made things and durable or making, allowing us to endure this once in a lifetime, hopefully pandemic, but it's not going to, it's not enough to fix either the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, or most um, municipalities financial challenges going forward. And the mayor identified that as a problem early on as her predecessors did, but has made zero progress in Springfield. What needs to happen there? We need help from Springfield, just like the communities in Harvey and elsewhere are facing financial challenges because of their pensions and pension obligations. Cities like Rockford, um, Springfield, Peoria, all are um, asking for help. We need the state of Illinois to respond and recognize that the state created these The state created the benefits in state statute and only the state of Illinois can help the city of Chicago and all the municipalities work their way through it. But we've had more talk than progress. We've had task forces on property tax and pension reform that don't fulfill the goals of the um, promise or the promise of these um, entities. We need the state of Illinois to get serious. We need help to reduce the growth of the unfunded liability and have a comprehensive approach. We need a constitutional amendment going forward to uh, to end the pension guarantee clause going forward, don't we? We definitely would help by get going with a constitutional uh, amendment that would allow for people to keep the benefits that they've earned. But the promise of constant 3% compounded growth for many of the funds needs to be ratcheted down to CPI. The big challenge now is that there doesn't seem to be much of a will to look at what other states like Arizona and um, Michigan and Ohio have done to address their pension challenges. Instead, we continue to wait and see how things are going to turn out, and they're not turning out for the best. We need to end the uncertainty, and we need to move forward. Can that pass in Springfield? It can pass if there is a concerted effort by not just the business community and the civic organizations, but everyone to recognize that we simply cannot continue to have 25% of the state budget, more than 25% of the city property taxes, whenever they're increased going into the pensions, that we need to have growth for basic services. So we have to address it. We have to recognize that having a reputation as the worst funded pension system in this country is not attractive for business not knowing how we're going to pay our bills going forward or how we're going to pay our growing debt is not the reputation Illinois and Chicago needs. And what's the funding source? There's been talk of a service tax, shifting the sales tax to to cover professional services. There's been talk of a tax on retirement income. What should the funding source be for the pension funds? Well, the problem is no one source of revenue is going to be enough. We're already seeing that, especially on the local level, we're using all sorts of different mechanisms. In addition to the property taxes, the city of Chicago uses part of the 911 fee. They also use the water tax. The state of Illinois primarily uses the income and sales tax um, to pay for their pensions, but it's not sufficient. Some combination of of getting rid of the outliers where Illinois is unique. Illinois is one of the only states, one of only three states that have an income 
tax that exempts all retirement income, not just government employees' retirement, but everyone who generates income qualified as retirement or passive income does not pay state income tax on that. That means the state of Illinois is literally leaving billions of dollars on the table when it can't pay its bills. Our, when you compare Illinois, Chicago to our surrounding states, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, they all have tax services much more significantly than we do in Illinois. That could also be a source of funds. If we raised, if we increased the number of services that we paid sales tax on, we could maybe address the high rate of taxation we have, especially in Chicago and in the um, downtown business districts. We could drop the rate if we had a broader base. The increase in the property tax includes this $22.9 million for the automatic escalator tied to the Consumer Price Index, $25 million to bankroll the 2022 installment of the Mayor's Capital Plan, and $28.6 million captured from new property. Some of the aldermen wanted her to cancel the increased escalator. Uh, but she has said, the mayor has said that the property tax levy needs to be raised every year to provide predictability and a stable source of revenue for these underfunded pension funds. Should she have gone ahead with this property tax increase, the automatic escalator and, and the capital plan at this time? Well, the, the, the mayor's administration makes some very good points on having to make investments. And also they're always keeping their eye on the precarious credit rating that the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois have. The city of Chicago has the lowest rated credit of any major municipality in the United States. And so by adding a little revenue on the property tax, they're they're stabilizing the outlook for the city of Chicago. The state of Illinois did a similar thing last year when it changed some of the tax treatment issues to provide the rating agencies some view that they actually have the base of their revenue is increasing. The it, you know with all the federal money coming in right now and the city's decision to use most of it to close the budget gap, certainly an argument could be made that you didn't need to raise all you didn't need to go back to the property taxes. But there seems to be this idea, at least by the administration, that because last year the city council voted to allow for an annual um, escalation tied to CPI, that they are going to keep going forward with that. It's a tough time to be raising taxes in any regard in the midst of a pandemic. Many of our commercial and especially our commercial property owners are not back to where they were pre-pandemic. It's a very hard time to ask people for tax increases. So what is your verdict on that? Should she have gone ahead or should she have canceled it? I think it's, you know, when you look at the actual size of the property tax increase, it is not that significant compared to the overall budget. I do think it's part of a strategy in which they want to, the city wants to show that they are able to make investments even longer term than the pandemic funding that they're receiving. So we were, the Civic Federation accepted their decision to increase the property tax as part of their overall plan. Overall, this budget is, does, it, while it doesn't necessarily move the state, the city of Chicago very far forward, it avoids it sliding backwards. So because of the federal support, the $1.9 billion, and of that $1.9 billion in our funding, $1.3 billion is going to close the structural gap. 
we think it's a reasonable plan. However, some of the um, other areas that we're very concerned on is what happens when this federal ARP money goes away. How are we going to make sure that the economy bounces back as aggressively as the city projects? And how do we avoid not having a situation where many of our hospitality-based industries um, aren't generating the revenue that we need them to in order to support the debt that we already have taken on for McCormick Place and many other places? What happens if we don't recover the way she's hoping we will? Well, if we don't, I mean, that's exactly where the Civic Federation is in our questioning for the, for the mayor and the administration. What's plan B if the city does not recover at the aggressive and robust economic growth that the city is hoping for and the state of Illinois is hoping? We need to have a plan B. There needs to be a recognized plan for will we try to raise taxes if the pandemic, the economic disruption caused by the pandemic continues? Will we make structural changes? Will we be cutting? In likelihood, it's going to have to be a combination of all of that. But if we don't see a return where business travel comes back, where convention attendance doesn't come back, the city is going to have a hard time meeting its debt obligations for many of the key investments that um, those industries support. For the second straight year, this budget is balanced with one-time revenues. It includes $131 million in savings from improved fiscal management, $25 million by sweeping aging accounts, $21.6 million in health care savings, $46 million in lower-than-expected costs from the police contract, and $62.6 million from in- improved revenue projections. It also calls for the city to refinance $1.2 billion in debt and use $232 million of the $254 million in savings to bankroll four years of back pay for police officers. And they still have to come up with $22 million to help close the $733 million budget gap. Do you have concerns about those one-time revenues, including her plan to offload costs, another $75 million in pension costs to the schools? I think there there are some there are concerns about what happens when the one time revenues are played out. Well, this is the second year in a row, as you pointed out, um, and maybe the third time it's been suggested that um, refinancing our existing debt can be generated for economic savings. This year, the financing and the refinancing is superior to the previous year's proposal because it's not. Um, we're being assured that it will not be scoop and toss. We're not going to extend the debt um, length. We are going to merely generate the economic savings because we're in a relatively low interest rate. Everyone should be concerned to see the details of that plan because we are starting to see some um, some movement in the markets, especially in the area of inflation and what that may do to the city's plan. They have not yet issued that debt. The reliance on one-time revenues in the midst of a pandemic and the economic disruption surrounding a pandemic, it's not unreasonable, but it doesn't give us a path forward for next year for how we're going to close what is sure to be a budget deficit, even with the with the um, revenue growth that the city's forecasting. So, yes, there are concerns. There are concerns that the city has not come up with a plan in the alternative, if the revenue does not grow, if the economy does not come back, 
but all in all, this budget proposal that the mayor and her team put together was reasonable, especially because so much room was um, bought by the federal government and the $1.9 billion they're providing over two years to the city of Chicago. What are your concerns about their ability to finance the police contract going forward? Well, first off, we are delighted that the police have a contract and that they um, are um, also moving forward on that. The fact of the matter is having multiple years of um, liabilities that continue to grow creates uncertainty. So we are pleased that that the city is moving forward. However, there is not a lot of slack in the revenue projections versus the, the known expenses and expectations that that um, personnel expenses will grow, especially if we move into a higher uh, inflationary environment, that the um, it, it, it is going to be a challenge for the city of Chicago. The biggest challenge for the city of Chicago is we are very highly leveraged. We have a higher than average um, debt per capita. We have financed a lot of our infrastructure, a lot of our um, programs related to attracting visitors with debt, that that has to be paid. We have been basically treading water for the last two years um, as a state, as a city, and really as a country because of the disruption of the pandemic. We, we don't, we're not clear that um, we are out of this pandemic yet. We are still waiting to see um, whether people will come back to the convention industry, come back to um, business travel at the way that it was before the pandemic. Separate and apart from the $1.2 billion debt refinancing is this financial shell game that the mayor is playing to get around the U.S. Treasury Department's ban on using these stimulus funds to retire debt. Instead, she plans to use $782 million in relief funds to replace revenues lost to the pandemic in 2020 and 2021, set aside $152 million. Uh, for revenue replacement in 2023 and use another $385 million in federal stimulus funds to bankroll essential existing and new programs next year. And that infusion of federal cash then frees up corporate funds to retire $465 million in scoop and toss borrowing that saddles yet another generation of taxpayers with debt and cancels plans to borrow even $500 million more. Is that appropriate, that kind of game that she's playing there? I think the as long as it fulfills with the Treasury rules, that they're not um, basically using the money directly to refinance debt, then I think it's, it makes sense to the extent the city is actually reducing its debt. It needs to bring down its debt. The question then becomes whether the city is in a position to borrow more um, after they've refinanced their debt to, even though interest rates are relatively low, whether they have the revenue going forward, um, especially when you look at the sales tax securitization, which the city uses to basically avoid the penalty from being a low-rated credit because of the sales tax securitization vehicle. They're able to create borrowing of state resources before they come to the city of Chicago and put them in a lockbox. But that also means we can't count on those sales taxes for unexpected um, expenditure needs the city is going to have going forward. So the big challenge is 
what's the plan for how do we go forward if the revenue doesn't bounce back the way they hope, if the economy doesn't bounce back, and what is the plan for the alternatives for structurally reducing costs, and what kind of cooperation can the city of Chicago expect from the state of Illinois to fix its problems rather than have them compounded by legislation that adds benefits to pensioners or makes other demands on the city that it can't afford. A perfect example is the casino. As we wait for the casino um, bids to come in, the city's counting on that money to be available for um, helping to pay for not just their pensions, but other obligations, and it's uncertain how that will go. Primarily, the, the plan is that casino revenues, according to the state law, will fund police and fire pensions in future years. But if that revenue is not there, the city's on the hook for even more pressure on their existing revenue. What the mayor has called a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to transform Chicago literally allowed Lightfoot to play Santa Claus to reduce poverty made worse by the pandemic, for example. She is launching what she calls the nation's largest test for universal basic income. This is a plan that will send $500 checks, no strings attached, to 5,000 of Chicago's neediest families. Do you have any concerns about this? Do you like the idea? Uh, what are the pitfalls here? Well, the, the 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 city's plan is basically they're going to issue what are basically one-time checks to the lowest-income residents of Chicago, but it's only for one year or at the most two years, according to their program. They, The city officials, the city uh, finance officials, have assured us that there is no ongoing commitment once this money is um, passed out. It's a worthy experiment to see if it has a, has a positive impact. A lot of um, the best experimentation in um, providing services, providing um, enhanced benefits to help people in distress come out of municipal government. But what's challenging is the, will there be an expectation by those recipients that more people will get that money or they will continue to get it even after the federal stimulus money is no longer available from um, the federal government and the city is then going to face a significant um, budget pressure, a significant deficit? We've been told by the city officials that they're, they are crafting this program so that there should not be an expectation in the out years that it will continue, that they want to measure and see what the impact is. But it's a reasonable question that many are asking. How can the city afford to do this going forward once the federal money is no longer available? Are you concerned, as some people are, that this will be a disincentive for people to look for jobs when there are an unprecedented number of openings and businesses are finding it difficult to find people to fill these jobs? Yeah, the issues related to being able to fill the jobs is certainly something that's of a great concern to the business community generally, to anyone who is trying to attract workers. The um, federal support that came in terms of the enhanced unemployment benefits has been raised as something that may have impacted it. But now that those enhanced unemployment benefits are, are, are phasing out, we're still seeing a big challenge for employers, especially in the service industry, especially in the hospitality industry, restaurants especially, to get people to come back to work. 
and also to fulfill the desires for having everyone vaccinated. So it, this this is something that will have to be measured. It's something that I think is um, fairly well bracketed by the city officials who put it together to limit the long-term liability, but there are a lot of question marks about it. Let's talk about police spending at a time when homicide shootings and carjackings continue to rise from last year's very troubling levels. Last year, life had balanced her budget by eliminating 614 police vacancies and literally shrinking the, the Chicago Police Department by attrition. This year, she's increasing police spending by $189 million to just under $1.9 billion. But her budget director says the full driver of that increase is the new police contract with its 20 percent pay raise over eight years. You have raised concerns about how the police contract gets funded going forward. Meanwhile, the the tidal wave of police retirements continues with 703 retirements already this year and a thousand vacancies. Should the mayor have done what some of the aldermen wanted her to do and restore some of the police vacancies? Or will they, as the mayor has argued, have trouble enough just filling the vacancies they do have amid declining interest in the policing profession? Without a doubt, the police um, situation in Chicago and in most cities is a very difficult and complex one. It is an incredibly difficult job with incredible risks. And so trying to figure out what it takes to maintain, first attract quality um, employees into the police force, and then to keep them wanting to do that job is a big challenge. It seems clear that all over the country, police departments are having difficulty attracting people to the work. And so that the city, um, the city and the city administration statements that they think they are appropriately staffed if they can attract the qualified candidates is compelling. But yes, the big challenge is not only that we're losing policemen to retirement, but that those policemen will be entitled to pensions, of course, and that will also put more pressure on the pension system going forward. And the pension liabilities continue to be a very significant part, not just for the police and fire, but for all city employees. So how how do you balance how much resources you put into the police department when you have these overhang liabilities. It's a combination and it's a balancing act. We need Should to- she be increasing some of the uh, po- uh, police positions and try to fill even more vacancies at a time when crime is still so rampant? Well, I think filling the vacancies is definitely at the highest, should be the highest priority, whether you're going to add more um, police to a city that already has some of the highest levels of police um, personnel in the city. Recent calls by city council members to say, get the um, sworn officers out of the civilian desks and get them onto the streets seems reasonable, pushing in your negotiations to make sure that you are effectively um, distributing the police to where they're needed. But there's a bigger question, which is why is the homicide why is the level of violence continuing to be at such an un- unacceptable level at the city? And that requires a more comprehensive answer than just adding more police because it has not moved the numbers in recent years. And it, I, I think it's something that everyone in the city of Chicago is concerned about. And it's one the Civic Federation not only is concerned about, but does not see yet the path forward 
but we need to have a plan if we're going to increase the number of police or if we're going to basically change the way we're doing policing, that needs to be articulated. Before we let you go, do you think the city should try to keep the Bears at Soldier Field, renovate it, put a dome on it, do what you can to appease them, keep them from moving to Arlington Heights, or just say, uh, see you, good luck? The the Chicago Bears are a, a jewel in the crown of tourism attractions for the city of Chicago. Even after last Sunday and the debacle in Tampa. Even in spite of last Sunday, there still is an enormous interest in the Chicago Bears and the number of people who want to see the Chicago Bears stay in the city of Chicago and come to the city of Chicago to spend money in our restaurants and our hotels and celebrate um, the Chicago Bears and the National Football League. Whether that can be done inside the stadium um, that Mayor Daly, Mayor Richard M. Daly, insisted be rebuilt for the Bears is a question mark. If that's not able to be done into a modern stadium with the capacity necessary to host not just NFL football games, but ideally mega sporting events like the Final Four um, or a Super Bowl, the, the college Final Four or the Super Bowl, then the city should be coming forward with proposals for alternative sites. There's enough land in the city of Chicago and various places that might be attractive to the Chicago Bears if they could have control over the parking and other ancillary benefits of the stadium. There needs to be a concerted effort to keep this the Chicago Bears in Chicago, but only the mayor and the mayor's economic development team really know what they're in a position to offer. It doesn't have to be that the city pays for the financing and the construction of the stadium. The city of Arlington Heights is not offering to finance the construction of the potential bear stadium at the old horse racing venue at Arlington Park. But they do offer a lot of land. And with that comes control. And the bears have made it very clear that the, the situation at Soldier Field is not sustainable for them going forward. So, yes, the city of Chicago needs to be looking at alternatives and trying to keep the Chicago Bears in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. It will be a loss, not just reputationally, but also economically, if the Bears don't stay in Chicago. Where would you suggest? How about McCormick Place East, or what site would you suggest if not Soldier Field? I think we have a very long shoreline. We also have a lot of land in former industrial areas. The the south um, east side of Chicago has much open land. There are spots um, um, on the west side that are underdeveloped. It, it's going to require creativity. It's going to require a fresh look at what we can do to help make the Chicago Bears as successful as they can be and keep the economic benefits for Chicago, the hotels, the restaurants, all of the things that benefit from hosting NFL football games. It's bigger than the eight to 10 or 12 games a year. It is reputational and the potential is to create a tourism destination, not just um, when the Bears play. Other cities have done more to create uh, a tourist attraction year-round. 
access to restaurants in immediate proximity to the playing field, the ability to see the playing field all year round and halls of fame and other things like that. But you're saying give them the land, assemble the land, give them the land and give them no more. You don't have to pay for the stadium or the dome or whatever it is, but just give them the land. Whether you give them the land or they buy the land, they're buying the land in Arlington Park. They have an option on buying the land in Arlington Heights for the stadium. They would probably be willing to buy the land. But if you helped assemble it, if you made sure that it was um, adequate for their needs, that it provide other um, opportunities for them, make it easy for them to consider alternatives. If it was connected to public transit in a way superior to the other sites that they're looking at. Soldier Field is not an easy place for most fans to get to um, from public transportation. An improvement in that uh, regard could be very significant. But if the Bears are willing to travel to Arlington Park, that shows that they're willing to look at other sites and the city of Chicago should be coming forward with proposals around the city and assemblage of land um, that might be beneficial to the Chicago Bears and attractive to them. So you think that Soldier Field is pretty much a goner and that they ought to look elsewhere for sites? Well, that's where the engineers um, really come in. I mean, I'm not an engineer. I do know that they basically limited the size of the stadium um, when they built it by staying old colonnades, which was the insistence of previous administrations, basically because so the Chicago Park District wouldn't be left with a hulking old stadium that nobody knew what to do with. Now that we know what a real modern stadium looks like. It has to be bigger. If we can't do it in the historical colonnades, then you have to look outside the colonnades. You have to look other places. Building on the lakefront in what was formerly landfill, that is Soldier Field, is both expensive and difficult um, for any improvements, but let alone a major expansion of it. I don't know that it's impossible. A lot of everything's impossible. It's the cost associated with it. And it's whether the owners of the franchise want to commit their money to something they don't own versus something that they would be privately owned, um, potentially in Arlington Park or on the west side of Chicago or the southeast side of Chicago. Many different options exist. And what about the McCormick Place East site? We're not really using it much. Right. I think any um, potential, if it's big enough, if it has the ancillary benefits, but then you're dealing with the state of Illinois as well uh, um, as the city of Chicago. And that's where the negotiations have historically gotten very complex as you have to negotiate, not just with the Chicago officials, but the state officials and some officials from downstate Illinois will be looking for something totally unrelated in exchange for their support of them. Again, that's not impossible. It's worth taking a look at. Everything should be on the table because there is enough time for the city of Chicago to come forward with proposals to keep them in the city of Chicago. Is it the end of the world if the Bears leave the city of Chicago? No. But is it a missed economic opportunity? Is it a loss for the city of Chicago? Yes. And so having a plan, having a proposal that competes with the Arlington Park proposal is something at a minimum I would hope the city would do. Lawrence Massal, thank you so very much for joining us for your expertise on municipal finance and your uh, hopefulness about keeping the bears. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, Fran. Have a great day.